dear subjects. 361 days ago, we became our own nation. Our nation, aptly named home, has since had a 262-day blackout. Helped out of the darkness by the good people of Lillibel, we have since elected our first president, Jacob Householder. And now, we hear of the goings-on of the Constituent Assembly, which is working tirelessly to organize our young nation. With you as the citizens and me as your news anchor, we explore the culture, the history, the politics, and the economics of this young nation. Let us get on with the broadcast. Welcome home. Today's broadcast is brought to you by listeners and citizens like you. Through your engagement on Reddit at r slash Dear Subjects or on Twitter with at Dear Subjects, you keep the show running. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash Dear Subjects, where for as little as $1 a month, you'll have access to our metasodes, bonus episodes discussing the creation of the broadcast itself. We have some good news to start off the broadcast with. Lilibel has taken the lead over the past few weeks in encouraging member nations of the International Slate of Nations, otherwise known simply as the Slate, to recognize home as a sovereign nation. We'll have more updates on this on Reddit and Twitter, but for now, we have the Constituent Assembly's Head of Immigration, Robert Falconer, joining us here today. Rob Faulkner, thank you for joining us on the broadcast today. Happy to be here, Alex. You were selected by President Householder to lead the Constituent Assembly on issues involving immigration. What qualifies you for this? So I'm a research associate with the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. Uh, This is an academic think tank attached to the University of Calgary, and I work on uh, issues of immigration and refugee policy, um, which involves not only uh, you know publishing in journals, but also involves engaging with the public through traditional and online media. It involves working with policymakers. So this is an area where I've, I've worked on quite extensively, although there are people who, I, at least in my opinion, are, are much more qualified than I am, but uh, happy to be brought onto the uh, Constituent Assembly to advise them on, on these issues. We're happy to have somebody who seems qualified to, to deal with these issues. Just a year ago, we were citizens of Norward. We had Norwardian passports and everything. For all intents and purposes, we were Norwardian, just happening to live elsewhere. What kind of logistical nightmare has this been for you and your team? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, one thing that's interesting is that when we acceded to independence rather suddenly, this left us without a few uh, international services that are quite vital to global movement. Um, one of those, of course, is uh, consular services in other countries. These are services services that are usually provided by embassies. So, for example, um, eventually the hope is that home will have embassies in, in its surrounding neighbor countries and, and around the globe. And uh, these services will help uh, homes homies be able to access uh, emergency passports, be able to evacuate countries in case there's, there's an emergency. So that's the first thing is that we were left with without consular services. Now, um, very graciously, the Lillibellan government has agreed to provide those those services until home has been able to set up embassies and, and other consul, 
uh, consul generals in, in other countries, but um, it's a, it very much a temporary stopgap measure until we have a, a more formal embassy and, and consul system set up. And with with you working on these projects and stuff, is is there any way that you can give us some sort of horizon that fellow homies can look forward to where we will have those uh, facilities available to us? I think it will be a, a multi-step process, to be honest. I think until we'll, it'll be a while until we have full regular embassy set up um, in other countries. I, I think, you know, the earliest we're talking about is about five years. But there are, are again, certain stopgap measures we could we could have in place. I think one of the first things to do will be to have uh, uh, homey offices um, in the Lillabellan uh, embassies around the world. And again, I think that's something that we could easily arrange with them, meaning that while we would be housed within Lillabellan embassies, there would be an office from home there where uh, homey homies could go and and get um, again these emergency services consular services legal representation in case they were in legal trouble in another country um, etc that that would be the the first step but I think those could be set up rather quickly I mean it's as soon as uh, the arrangements can be made for us to send um, diplomats from home to other countries and as soon as the Lillabellan government is able to set it give us office space in those in their embassies and consulate generals around the world i think that's that could be set up quite quickly within you know easily two or three months um the other thing i think we, we could do to make things a little bit easier for the citizens of home is to arrange for visa free travel um to other countries uh that will require again i think that's that's something that's not on the immediate time horizon but i think um what we could do is unilaterally on our end make it easy for other countries to um, their citizens to come to home, meaning that we either have a very easy visa process, this is where we give permission to citizens of other countries to come to home, um, or we even have visa-free uh, access. So a, a good example of this is um, other countries uh, such as um, Leotoma and Lilibel have a visa-free travel agreement, meaning that because they're, they're bordering nations, they can actually travel between each other quite easily. So um, all you have to do is, if you're a Lillabellan citizen, is to show up at the border um, with Leotoma, show your passport, and you're allowed in. That doesn't mean you're necessarily allowed to work. Again, that that involves a work visa, but um, they're they'd be able to go and visit for up to ninety days. And I think we could easily arrange that. And I, I think if we do that on our end, it'll make it easier for countries to to again reciprocate and make it easier for for homey citizens to be able to travel to their countries. Interesting, interesting. I like the idea of showing some kindness and hopefully getting some kindness in return because uh, you know we need it. Yeah, I, I think the big thing here is that um, there eventually there will have to be some reciprocity. Um, one thing that's been very difficult, for example, and, and will require more formal arrangement is uh, Leotoma with its its tech support and its tech industry. Um, ha- there has been some consulting there where we've, you know, setting up our own government IT systems, um, have had to consult with experts from Leotoma. Now, because we don't have this formal um, labor mobility agreement with them, that makes it more difficult. And labor mobility is a bit different than travel agreements. Travel agreements would just be like allowing citizens to visit home and, and allow allow homies to visit other countries. Um, labor mobility means the ability to go work and live in another country, even if you're not a citizen there. And, and that would require a more formal arrangement. And so again, we've been kind of issuing these work visas to, to Leotoman uh, IT experts to come work here and, and help us set up our, our government, but uh, that will require more formal arrangements, so we're not having to do it on such an ad hoc, one-off basis. 
Interesting, interesting. And it, well, I'm I'm glad that your team is aware of these issues and and working towards solutions uh, with these other nations. How has how has this interim government, uh, where we're kind of setting things up and getting things organized, how has it been dealing with immigration, uh, both people leaving and people moving in? Yeah, this is a very good question. Um, so first off, one of the issues that will need to be sorted out very quickly um, within the Constituent Assembly is the rights of non-citizens. So other countries' constitutions, there, there are two ways you can look at this. The first is um, oftentimes you either have rights just for citizens, meaning that only citizens of that country can get things like legal representation if they're in legal trouble. Uh, they maybe have a right to a pension, for example. Um, but non-citizens or permanent residents maybe um, cannot access those same legal rights. Now, in other countries, they um, they will often not apply rights just to citizens, but they'll often use the word persons within their borders. So persons under their jurisdiction. That means that all people residing within within home could access certain legal rights. And sometimes there's a sort of a mix of these. So, for example... Um, uh, permanent residents or visitors to home might have, as persons, might have a right to legal representation if they're in legal trouble, but they, for example, don't have the right to vote, whereas citizens of home would have the right to vote. So we'll need to define uh, citizen rights versus person rights. Um, again, I think it, what's what's good is that the interim government has been at least re- been respecting basic uh, what we would call civil rights. So civil rights are different than political rights. Political rights, again, are the, that right to vote, right to sit on a jury, um, etc. Civil rights, again, have more to do with civil liberties. And, and I think um, a good step forward, and I think it sets a precedent for what will eventually turn into the Constitution, will be that home has been respecting the civil rights of pers- all persons within within home. Um, which, again, I think that could be codified within our Constitution, but I, I think it sets a very good precedent. Now, there are other other issues that need to be addressed here. There's issues of split families. These are, are people who, for example, you had people who are now homies who reside here, um, who maybe their parents, their siblings, et cetera, live in are uh, Nawardians, um, mean that uh, they're citizens of two countries. Now, we'll have to decide uh, to what extent do we allow family reunification, meaning if, if we have separated families, do we allow them to immigrate here? And uh, do we automatically grant them citizenship and home for the fact they have a, a homie as, as a family member? Do we make them go through a, an immigration process? So that's, um, there have been those issues of split families. And again, I, I think we're kind of lurking this gray area now. So far, um, the the homie government has just been very, I think, gracious at, at giving visas to, to family, separated families. Um, as a temporary stopgap measure, but we'll, we will need to figure out a process there. Um, one issue that, that I think is a serious matter of concern, and this is uh, often the case when you have countries leave uh, economic unions, political unions, et cetera, is you do have what's something that's called capital and labor fright, flight. Um, and I, I almost said fright, and the reason why is, uh, and is often this flight is caused by a certain level of fright, especially among uh, wealthy investors, owners of businesses, etc. Um, again, because when you're a new country, you don't necessarily have these trade relationships, these immigration relationships set up with other countries around the world. Um, it can be quite difficult to conduct business globally. So you might have a, a situation where, where wealthier members of a country might try to obtain citizenship, residency, or, or elsewhere, 
um, in another country around the globe that has more visa-free travel, more labor mobility, etc. And they will often leave the country and take their wealth with them. Hmm. And so, so with this capital and labor flight, what sort of things are, are being done to mitigate that issue? Uh, well, I, this is an area where I, where I disagree with some members of the government. And I know there are some proposals to do um, what's called a, an exit tax or exit uh, tariff, meaning basically that if a uh, homie wants to leave, um, th- we tax a certain portion of their wealth. Um, I I don't agree with that approach. Um, again, it's not a uni- it's not an approach that the government universally agrees upon, but there are certain uh, people within various um, again ad hoc ministries right now who are pushing for an exit tax. That's one way to deal with that. Uh, I think that's that's very damaging for any potential investment from from the outside um, to home. Um, again, there will be those who disagree with me on that, who think we should take a more domestic oriented approach and and force people to invest their capital here. Uh, that is one option. Um, I think long term, again, I think the, the easier we make it to to enter and exit the country, um, especially for citizens, I think we'll, we'll likely see uh, wealthier uh, homies remain at home and, and keep their wealth here as well. And I, like anybody else, would would hope that uh, that they choose to remain here as I enjoy uh, enjoy being in this new country. It's an exciting time and, and we're seeing some changes and it's an opportunity to see a lot of progress uh, on a lot of different areas in politics and economics as well. So what kind of immigration systems are there and what would you personally recommend doing? So uh, there are, I'll focus first on there's three types of, of immigration systems, um, and most countries will actually have a combination of these. Uh, so there's what we call economic immigration. These are where people move to another country for their own personal business interests, for their own professional interests, etc., and where the country tries to attract immigrants on the basis that they will some, fill some sort of economic niche or need within the country. Um, the second type is what's generally called family reunification. This is where family members can sponsor other family members. So a good example of this, a classic one is, let's say you have a uh, a homie, an Aliyah Toman. Um, they are traveling abroad. They're, maybe they're both doing a, a Adalia tour uh, and uh, stay at the same hostel. They fall in love, et cetera. One of them, they, you know, they get married. Um, and, uh, the Leotoman decides to move, um, decides to move to home. And, uh, so family reunification would be where that homie, that homie could sponsor the immigration of their spouse. Um, again, that's, that's a classic example, but it could also, you could extend that to often to siblings, to parents, uh, other immediate family members, but family reunification is the third system. Then the, the third way that often immigration occurs is what's called humanitarian immigration, this is where you uh, either um, bring refugees to your country, meaning if there are people who are around the world who are fleeing conflict, uh, who are fleeing war, persecution, genocide, etc., home might agree to uh, receive some of those refugees here and uh, help them integrate within homey society. Um, and also another form of humanitarian immigration is when somebody from, let's say, a neighboring country uh, right next to us flees that arrives at our border or even sometimes within our border and um, claims asylum, meaning they, they ask for protection of our of our laws and that we do not return them. Um, now, like I said, broadly speaking, uh, most countries will have a mix of these. 
but even then there there are sort of subcategories so i'll use the example of economic immigration and, and actually a large part of this really depends on what um what final system home ends up having um if uh and i'll, I'll explain that in a second so one way you can have economic immigration is called merit-based immigration. This is where you look at the merits of somebody who wants to move to home. Um, and merits might include things like their education level. Are they young and likely to have children here? Or are they old and likely to be use more of uh, health care services here? Um, are they, uh, do they provide a certain skill or do they have a certain job experience for something that we need here? And uh, you might um, weigh each of those things individually and say, well, hey, this person has a high level of merit or they have a high level of skills and we want to, yeah, we would love to have them come here. Um, other countries, uh, um, especially on Adalia, they will choose to various nation states. They will often assign them points based on various things. So if you are age 30, you will get 300 points. But if you are 35, you'll only get 250 points, meaning that as you get older, your points drop. And if you meet a certain points threshold, um, you can move here. Now, the other way you can you can have economic immigration is called employer-driven immigration. This means that if, uh, let's say somebody, they may or may not have certain skill levels, that doesn't necessarily matter. Um, but let's say another, a company here really likes what this person has to offer, offers them a job, and that company then approaches the home uh, home government and says, hey, we would like to give this person a job, but you know, they're an IT professional from Leotoma. Um, can, you, can you approve their immigration to Leotoma? And we agreed to do that because an employer, they have a job who, who's hooked, that's um, willing to provide them you know, a wage here. Now again, sometimes countries will have both of these things. Um, uh, some of them, sometimes you divide them between a national level and a state level. So, for example, this is why I say that it depends a lot about what, how um, Holmes Constitution evolves. If we end up deciding to have a federal system, meaning that we have a national homey government, but we also have sub-governments, uh, we might sometimes have a merit-based system at the national level, but then you might allow certain states to have their own sort of employer-driven systems where they say, well, you know, here, here in this state, we do a lot of cattle driving, but we don't have enough cattle drivers. So we are going to have a special little program that uh, sponsors cattle drivers from other countries who move here. And, and all the federal government has to do is sign off on that. Hmm. Um, so again, I, I, that's very dependent though, of course, of, of what um, what our our national government or ends up looking like at the end of this uh, constitutional process. We are an incredibly diverse nation with a variety of cultures living here. As such, there are people from around the world who seem to feel a kinship with homies and feel that they are, in fact, homies. What sense do you get from homies on their attitudes toward other ethnicities? Yeah, I think generally very positive. Um, I think there's this idea that anybody could become a homie, um, that you know we are really a home. Uh, that's not based on just uh, just blood of, of who you come from, but um, what you can offer to homes, you know. Um, and maybe that, that might strike against the ideas of what, what we often call nativists. Nativists are people who incline more towards a, a home-centered uh, cultural system that maybe elevates one culture over another, that wants limited immigration, etc. But I'd just like to remind them that, that new homes are created all the time. You know, when we... Uh, 
when we get married, when we have children. We are literally in the process of combining two different homes, two different families into one and creating a new one. And uh, I, I mean, there are some very contentious marriages and families out there, but I think ideally the, everybody, like, everybody can understand the idea of wanting a, a happy family and a happy home. And I think that can be reflected on the national level. The thing that's important to point out is that constitutions often have laws, but they also often allow, um, they often outline principles. These are uh, the national ideals, for example. Um, other countries have multiculturalism, the idea of, of many cultures existing in the same country. Um, uh, each maintain their own heritage, their own languages, their own customs, etc., but working together for the common good. Um, other countries have what's called intercultural systems. Um, this is where the government actually plays an, a, a role in deciding um, in fostering engagement between different cultures. Uh, other countries have assimilationist cultures. This is where you say you you absorb into the main one. And I, I think out of those those three um, sort of modes of thinking or those three principles, I think uh, homies would tend to lean to the first two. I uh, I certainly enjoy other other cultures i know i'm a big fan of of uh chan rock cuisine they just i mean anything with chan rock beef in it i just find absolutely delicious you know what i actually think that's a really really good real life example um oftentimes when we think talk about immigration especially like me uh you know the people i, I associate with tend to be very wonky sometimes and we, we get all these very high falutin ideas but really you know a benefit of immigration is chan rock beef and Shenrock tacos and uh, Shenrock taco trucks. Like that's a very real, tangible result of immigration when you allow Shenrock citizens to move here and uh, import Shenrock beef and sell it to us. And I love it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good real life example, Alex. Excellent. Thank you. Um, our last question, wrapping it up here. How is the international community seeming to interact with us? Yeah. So I think, again, very positive. I, I think uh, if we... Um, undergone a formal secession on our part, meaning that we ejected ourselves from, from our union with Norward. Um, it might be a bit different story, but you know, it was very sudden. I, I think most governments have been very understanding with that. So again, there have been some hiccups. Again, we didn't have any v- visa-free travel arrangements with other countries. So it means that our citizens do have to have visas to enter countries, but um, you know, home isn't a, doesn't have a history of, of violent extremism. You know, we don't have a history uh, of sort of taking advantage of intellectual property rights or capital rights in other countries. So again, the visa-free process has been fairly smooth, as, as smooth as you can make it in a situation like this. Um, again, I, I think it'll be great to have that formal, those formal embassies established so we can be able to provide more uh, on-the-ground services to, to homies and and hopefully be able to accommodate the, the rights of citizens from other countries here as well. I look forward to uh, hopefully traveling more of the world once we kind of get all of this stuff sorted out last question uh next week is our one year anniversary since becoming our own nation do you have any exciting plans for how to celebrate this well i'll I'll be honest with you i've been very bogged down with committee work recently and and, uh, so um but it's nice i i think you know uh, President Household has been very clear that I, I think that the assembly will be closed on the day of the celebration, uh, which I think is, you know, appreciate that consideration on his part. So I plan to spend time with family. Uh, I think we're going to go for a hike. Um, maybe, uh, you know, now that you mentioned it, I think getting some Shanrock uh, beef tacos would be mm-hmm. a good option. Um, but yeah, hike, you know, tacos, and uh, I think just watch the fireworks. Excellent. I will see you at the taco truck. Thanks, Robert, there. for joining us.
Thank you. And thank you for listening and being a citizen of this young nation. If you'd like to join us on the broadcast, you can email us at dearsubjects at gmail.com. And remember, you can support the show through your engagement on Reddit at r slash dearsubjects and on Twitter with at dearsubjects. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash dearsubjects, where for as little as $1 a month, you'll have access to our metasodes, bonus episodes discussing the creation of the broadcast itself. Join us next week when we celebrate our first year sovereign and commemorate our first day of darkness. This broadcast is produced by Nightworthy Media House in collaboration with the InFiction Media Corporation at Home, or MECO, and was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Special thank you to Robert Falconer for joining me today. Our production team includes Raven Campos and myself, Alex Williams. Our theme music is by Joseph Cordara. And the world is based on the world created by William Richard Redlich. Until next time, good luck on your own. <laughs>